The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Thanks for joining me on this uh, Thursday afternoon. A gorgeous day out there. Looks like a gorgeous weekend ahead. Lots of things going on. Lots of people heading out to uh, Big Valley Jamboree. It gets underway today. There's the football game. Tomorrow's your Edmonton Eskimos take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, the Dinette and Patio Furniture pregame show starts at 6, kickoff at 7.30. And of course, Heritage Days. And Heritage Days is the Edmonton Food Bank's single largest food and fundraising event in it's, it simply just can't come soon enough. The shelves are bare, and the number of people using its services is at a record high. Tamison Benz with the Food Bank joins us. Welcome back to the show, friend. Well, thank you for having me. Now, give us an idea of uh, where things stand for you guys at the Food Bank. I know last year your client numbers, was, I think it was a record high. What's it, what's it been like this year? Well, last year, of course, we survived the Fort McMurray wildfires in May, and that threw us for a little bit of a loop here in Edmonton. And But you know what? Edmontonians came through, our volunteers came through, people came through. We were able to do it. But the scary thing is for us right now with our record year last year is that we're actually surpassing those mm. in the number of people that need us. And that is the scariest thing that I've ever experienced here at the Food Bank. How do you say, oh, last year was a record year. Oh, my gosh, we're beating those records. And we're beating them the wrong way. Yeah. The number of people that need us is huge. Now, what are you hearing from, from clients, if you can share? I mean, what is it? Is it still, you know, um, you know, haven't got a job after being, you know, laid off from the patch? Or, you know, w- w- what are you hearing? Well, there's those. Uh, there's individuals that are on social uh, welfare. No, yes, bad case of word, but uh, social supports and yep. securities that aren't actually making ends meet. So yep. once they're done with all their bills, they still can't afford things. Mm-hmm. And so they have to come to us for food. There are people that are saying that uh, their industry is not hiring, and mm-hmm. so do they take a very low-paying job and still try, and then they lose other benefits, and then they're trying to make ends meet too that way. So there's definitely a lot of struggles. Um, and there's a lot of emotions here because people, people don't necessarily want to come and ask for help from the food bank. But that's why we're here. We're here because we know that the economy is not the best. Housing is still challenging for affordable housing is still challenging for some. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are individuals that never had to experience uh, these kind of situations in their lives yet. And that's a hard thing to do for people. And so we know that we're dealing with individuals that we're past donors even that yeah. have needs in our help. Wow. And we know that once the economy picks up again and we, people get back on their feet, they'll turn around and donate. But right now, we're kind of their lifeline with, of course, the other supports in the community. But uh, the money isn't there for them to make sure that they can afford everything. Because people have mortgages. They have yeah. bills already stacked up already. Yeah, so they come to us. Yeah, And we're... We're fortunate that the Service Heritage Festival is coming up this coming weekend, and we're hoping that people will once again here in Edmonton support our work by bringing a non-perishable food donation, monetary donation, or if you have, if you're all fed up from the festival and you have one or two <laughs> tickets in your pocket, by all means, please give them to our volunteers, and we actually get seventy-five cents per ticket. Nice, nice. And then you can turn around and buy in bulk. The money that you get, the cash that the food bank gets, um, goes probably farther than you know the cash that I would use in my pocket when I go grocery shopping. 
Oh, yes. We, we could get, uh, for every dollar, 5 to $10 for purchasing power, wow. as well as we can glean close to $20 worth of food for every dollar donated. So mm. us going out, being able to go pick up from the community. Right now, we do have lots of wonderful fresh stuff coming in through those gleaning programs, working with distributors, farmers, wholesalers that... It's perfectly edible but not marketable product that we're able to... So we have, like, Red Hat uh, vegetables on our hamper line right now that they've donated, and then we have beautiful, fresh uh, fruit and vegetables from people's gardens that they've been giving to us. But it's the staple, non-perishable food items that yeah. we're in real need of, and that's why this festival is so important to us. This, uh, this, this partnership between the festival and the food bank has been going on for a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> Yes, I could honestly say that it was one of the most organic events that ever happened uh, to support our work. We had an info booth in 1984 at the Heritage Festival just to share with people, hey, we're a food bank because we were established in 1981 and people didn't really know about us. And then they started bringing food without being asked. Yeah. Wow. And really? Then, uh, yeah. And then we had our official campaign in 1985. And to this date, uh, the Service Heritage Festival is our single largest food and fundraiser each year, uh, and we're fortunate that where it lands too. That it's right in the middle of the summer. Yeah, it's when people don't think about food banks. People think about us during the festive seasons, but not in the summer months when people still need food. Well, yeah, and last year was a little tricky too because I think some of the weather didn't the weather shut down. Um, you know, part of the festival one afternoon, so the amount that you normally would have collected, or you know, that you would have collected was was cut was cut back a little bit. So the weather looks good this weekend. Fingers crossed. Things oh yeah, go it well there. <laughs> and if people don't aren't coming down to the festival or they're not too sure, you know, all the grocery stores have our food bins there. They can donate at all the major grocery stores. We have trucks on the road for the weekend as well. Any city of Edmonton fire hall, go visit a firefighter, yeah. give them some food for us, as well as online people can make monetary donations. If they're and again, if they don't want to come down to the festival, but it is a fun event to, you know, hop on a bus, go on down, enjoy the beautiful cultural atmosphere mm-hmm. down there, and enjoy some of the food. And while you're at it, support our work. Tamison, you had mentioned that you have a lot of uh, fresh produce that is coming in right now from a lot of different spots. Can people bring in, if their garden, their personal garden, like my backyard potato patch, which I have too many potatoes, <laughs> can, <laughs> can I bring you potatoes? Can people bring that stuff to you, or is it uh, you know, kind of iffy on that one? Well, for Edmonton's Food Bank, this weekend, we will not be taking anything at the Heritage Festival that is fresh. Because okay. we don't want it mixed in with the non-perishable. But if people do have fresh product from their gardens, we can take it at our main warehouse. Okay. Because, of course, it's fresh product. We don't want it mixed in. It can't sit in those bins until we actually get around mm-hmm. to get to it a few days. Uh, so we do ask people if they do have that fresh product to bring it directly to our warehouse. And a lot of times it comes in, our volunteers inspect it, and then they turn around and are able to feed other people with oh, it. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful product from people's gardens. Come on, growing your own carrots, yeah. the sweetest <laughs> things in your own garden, and it's awesome. <laughs> and did potatoes for the first time this year, and I have more potatoes now that I know what to do with. So um, I could... You're like, I only put two plants in the ground and, like, 40 potatoes came yeah, out. I don't much. know. I could feed the 3rd Battalion right now, no problem. Um, <laughs> the numbers, you know, it's any, we talk probably once or twice a year, Tamis, and you look at those numbers, and um, the numbers that of people who rely on the food bank, I mean, it seems to be steadily between about 20,000 to, what, 25,000 a month? 
So one of our program, our hamper program, yeah. we are current. Yeah. So right now we've gone from an average of fifteen thousand a month of, a couple of years ago to now closer to twenty five thousand people a month. And so that is a huge jump for us. And we've had to make major changes within our own internal systems to be able to handle those volumes for with our volunteers and our staff and our vehicles and our trucks going to and from. But it's the sustained longevity of this problem mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So I know in the 90s we had a hard time, but that peaked, it peaked and then it started leveling out and dropping Yeah, in the 90s. And we haven't seen the number of people needing our help pl- plateau here in Edmonton yet. Hmm. And until that plateaus and starts to drop, we are very concerned economically where things are going. And that we, it doesn't matter about anything other than we just need to make sure that people have the resources right yeah. now, the food in their cupboards for their, themselves and their families so that they could keep going to weather this a difficult time. And then, again, they'll turn around and help out. I think maybe some people... Um you know, if they're listening right now that could use your help, but maybe they're they're afraid, they're uncomfortable to go to the food bank. Maybe there there there's a, a fear of some stigma there or that they're gonna be thought less of. What do you tell those folks? I tell them that not to worry. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we were established in nineteen eighty one was for the individuals, families and communities that we knew that there were gaps. Yeah. And we're here to help. I know it's not the easiest thing to admit that people need help. I know it, when I don't want to admit when yeah. I need help, whether yeah. it's uh, with my computer and mm-hmm. say that I don't know what I'm doing. But we're here. And we try to keep everything as respectful and dig- dignified as possible. So we're not flashing around everybody's names everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you call in, you'll be going to a neighborhood depot. Most people actually don't come to our main warehouse. We will set them up at their community depot so that they don't have to haul all the food back and forth. And most of our clients that they pick up their hampers at their depot, they come in boxes from the food bank, but then we ask them to bring their own grocery bags. Okay. And then they repackage in their own grocery bags. We have clients from the past that have talked to us after that they had no idea that their parents needed help from the food bank. <laughs> because their parents would come home with grocery bags of food. And that is fine. We want to make sure that families are supported and we there shouldn't be any stigma, but there no, is, no. and that kind of thing. So we know that people will use our services and not even tell other people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know and about the community depots, Tamas, and I thought you had to come down to the main warehouse. No, we're very fortunate in Edmonton. We have many community groups out there that are helping support our work in the sense that the order will be placed here at the main warehouse. We build the orders, and then we truck it out yeah. uh, to those depots. And there's volunteers at that end from those depots that will help take the client's information, double-check that it's the right person, and then release the food to them uh, with their ID and everything. And Edmontonians are great. We could yeah. not do this together because it would be so hard for somebody from Millwoods to come all the way to Edmonton's food bank. It's family of four. You're talking 80 to 100 pounds of food yeah. to get it back on the bus all the way to Millwood. Wow. So it is a community that's been helping us. We have wonderful relationships with all these different depots, uh, including, like for example, the Salvation Army. Many people think we're a separate organization. <laughs> we don't work together or anything. We work closely together. They're wonderful partners in the community, too. They have their skill set. We have ours. They did... Sh- 
change some of the how they do their food programs. Yeah, yeah. But they've told their clients to come to Edmonton Food Bank. We build the hampers here, and they're acting as depots in areas of the city that we never had a depot mm-hmm. in. And they're able to focus on other areas too, job search, resume writing, addiction issues, domestic violence, and support clients differently. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of the food bank, funneling food equally to one location, sharing it fairly out, and then not duplicating services, because that's what we don't want to do. Tamis and Benz from the Edmonton Food Bank uh, joining me on the phone this afternoon. The Heritage Days event this weekend, the single biggest um, food raiser for for the food bank. So if you're heading down there this weekend, please drop off a non-perishable food item. Um, things are really tough there right now. The the last year was a record high of the number of clients that used the food bank. This year, the demand has only grown. The shelves are pretty empty right now. Tamis, if people what kind of I think again going what what is the process if you call do you have to prove that you need this do you have to prove that you have no food in your cupboards like how does that work um I know that some smaller communities they have the ability to do full client intake you have to bring in your what your income is your expenses are and okay. with the volume that we're working with we can't Okay. But we're erring on the fact that we would rather err and give out food to a family mm-hmm. than miss somebody. Okay. So we do ask people, you know, please be kind. Yes. Because it will come back at you. Yeah. Be honest. Or it will come back at you, I'm sure, in the future. Um, give us a call. Our client uh, service cor- uh, volunteers will walk through a bunch of steps saying, what are you doing? What's happening? What's left you short? Did you know that there's some other food resources out in the community, mm-hmm. such as this, 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 or, hey, there is a low-income bus pass that's being just introduced. Don't forget to take a look at that to save on some money. Weekend food buying co-op. Uh, we're free food. They're collective pooling money to buy bulk food okay. and to share stuff. So um, definitely there are other resources that we try to set people up with and to help support them, collective kitchens and get them learning how cooking at home and buying food versus um, shopping like fast food, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and cooking. So, you know, we, we err on giving food and we'll do our best to make sure that people are supported. Okay. Before I let you go, uh, one of my listeners wants to know, we talked about fresh vegetables. They said, what about like beef, beef from the farm? Oh, oh yeah. gee, that's a that's a difficult question. Like, I don't think I can take a cow here, <laughs> um, but um, they can always give me a call okay. at the food bank. Okay, because uh, maybe it is something because it would have to go to an abattoir and properly processed. Yes, uh, but maybe we can have a conversation. They okay, can call me at the food bank at seven eight zero four two five two one three three and. We'll work this out together. All righty. I will pass that phone number again along to uh, our texter, Tamison. Um, fingers crossed for a great weekend for the food bank uh, for you. I, I, you know, the Heritage Days is such a huge, uh, it's it's so huge in Edmonton. So many people show up, but just remember to drop something off. And again, you know, the, the non-perishable, usually like peanut butter, pastas, soups, that sort of stuff. Oh, yes. Canned soups, uh, tomato and mushroom soup, please, because, of course, uh, with um, the Muslim faith, those work perfectly with any dietary restrictions. And you can also make so many other things with those soups okay. uh, with, mixed with pasta. So it's awesome. A pasta, uh, pasta sauce <laughs> and anything that you would want to eat and share, too. All right. Non-perishable. Peanut butter. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hey, Tamison. Uh, Tamison Benz uh, from the Edmonton Food Bank. Yeah. So Heritage Days. It's going to be a huge one uh, this weekend. Yeah. The Service Heritage Festival running August 5th to the 7th down at...
Harlech Park. 71 pavilions from around the world. You can sample food, see uh, performances, and experience Canada's multiculturalism. The Food Bank volunteers will be accepting unused food tickets, which after the festival, as Tamison said, can be redeemed for cash towards the Food Bank's own purchases. You can also drop by uh, City of Edmonton Fire Halls, and financial donations can also be made online through Canada Helps. Uh, so keep in mind if you're heading down there uh, this weekend. It is uh, 2.50. A quick break here. We'll continue on the conversation right after this. Coming up after 3 o'clock, we'll talk about, uh, well, some some ghost stories, really. The book is called uh, Haunted Hospitals, as Gina looked up at me with her eyebrow, eyebrow peaked. Because we lived in a haunted house. You lived in a haunted house? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a heritage house. Okay, well, we'll talk about that next half hour. Okay, but this is Haunted Hospitals, eerie tales about hospitals, sanatoriums, and other institutions. And hospitals can be creepy just to start with, uh, let alone adding uh, some ghost stories into them as well. We had touched on this with Gord. A number of you texting in, giving advice about how to know the difference between a black bear and a uh, grizzly bear, what to do, and, you know, what you should have on, you know, all that. And I appreciate that. So... Uh, when we were out in Tofino, we did a boat ride uh, through some islands and saw a couple of uh, black bears on the shore. And we stay away, far away from them. Obviously, we're on the boat, but then they they don't want to disrupt the, disrupt them. But I got a couple of really nice pictures of uh, with my zoom lens on my camera of a couple of uh, black bears. Um, they they weren't very big. I thought black bears were bigger. I've I've not had a run in ever with black bears to be or any bear any bear to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, this woman. Out in uh, Athabasca area, a seven-year-old woman rescued by Mounties after a long hike, um, you know, drew the attention of a of a of a black bear and her baby. The um, the uh, seven-year-old woman tried to call her sister, but had poor reception. The younger woman was able to hear that her sister was in the trails and being followed by two black bears. And um, thinking her sister might be in trouble, they they called the police. Mounties went out there and they were searching this uh, musk. Keg Creek Park area, and then they found they found her. She was great. She was exhausted, unharmed, and uh, obviously pretty relieved to get the drive home from the mountains. I'm not walking anymore. Trust me. Um, today on our Facebook page, we asked you about your experiences with black bears or any kind of bears. And Tim says, in the late '70s, on a family vacation in Prince Albert National Park, my brother and his friend were running, one down the front and the other down the back of the cabins. They got to the end of the line at the same time and they turned the corner and went flying into the air. They had run into a black bear. Each got up and ran for safety, then looked back and saw the bear running in the other direction. We figured the bear was the most scared out of the three. I'm not so sure about that one, but wow. Um... Renee says, uh, we live in a wooded acreage in Manitoba. Manitoba. We had a few spottings of a black bear around our place a few years ago. One evening, my husband and I were out in the front with our dogs, big dogs. Uh, one big black dog, one big brown dog. And we spotted the bear crossing the end of our driveway about 100 feet from us and going into the bushes. My husband says, grab the dogs, which I did. Brought them up on the porch. Um, my husband didn't have his glasses on, and when the bear emerged from the woods onto the road a ways down, he thought it was our black dog ranger, so he proceeds to run down the road after the bear, <laughs> calling for it to come back to him right now. Annoyed because the darn dog was not listening and running away, I could see this from the porch and was trying to yell for him to stop, but he couldn't hear me over his own yelling. 
Oh my goodness. He finally figured it out after uh, running a quarter of a mile down the road behind this bear. Thankfully, the bear just wanted to get away from the crazy human chasing him. But the memory of my husband running down the road, ordering the bear to get back here right now, still makes me laugh out loud. We never saw the bear again, by the way. Renee, that is a great story. And Karen says, a few years back, I was walking with my dogs across the field with my husband's lunch to deliver him during seeding. Off in the distance, I noticed a black thing, but just assumed it was a lump of dirt until that dirt started moving. The dog started barking and the lump of dirt got closer. And that's when I realized it was a bear. And I was standing in the middle of an open field with a full bag of bear bait, tuna sandwiches. I got the dog to shut up and drop the lunch and froze. The bear sniffed the air up on hind legs and moved slowly towards us. Luckily, the bear started turning in the other direction so I dropped the lunch and ran like I'd never ran before towards the house later my husband was wondering what took me so long to bring out his lunch and why I drove the truck when the field was right next to the house of course my whole experience went totally unnoticed bear oh yeah he's just a little guy he's been hanging out here for a day or two now he would have been probably more scared of you than you were of him yeah right Great stories. You can check them out on the 630 Chad Facebook page. Lots of them uh, on there talking about story going through uh, Jasper and Banff. And I think oftentimes you can drive through that area and see them in the ditches and they're around. And I know that one that had been... um, a little bit too friendly or too uh, around too much. They just uh, moved it again to a remote area to keep it away from humans, which um, is certainly better than the alternative in uh, many different ways. It's 2.57 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. 3 o'clock news with Brenton Dreger coming up. After that, we're going to talk about some ghost stories. Stick around. The 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chet.